I went ahead and dropped out of, out of school, moved back home for the summer and then took my yoga teacher training. And it was just like this total, like full expansion, mind awakening, spirit awakening thing for me that I, I had no access to previously. Hello and welcome to Out Loud, a podcast by and for queer people of faith in the South. Here we tell our stories of varied religious upbringings, messy coming outs, and the gift of community with one another. I'm your host, Greg Thompson, and the voice you just heard was Tucker Shelton. Tucker has studied and taught yoga for over a decade, and that's just the beginning. He has also studied 200 hours of Thai yoga massage in Thailand and has a master's in contemplative religious studies in Sanskrit language from Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. While Tucker has taught and studied throughout the United States and around the world, from New Zealand to India to Mexico, he currently lives in Asheville, North Carolina. He was also one of the instructors I learned from in my yoga teacher training a few months ago at the Asheville Yoga Center. So you can imagine how excited I was to have him on the show. On the show today, we talk about Tucker's upbringing in the Episcopal Church and how he eventually found a deeper connection to ritual through practicing and teaching yoga. We compare the meaning behind yoga to other religions and discuss how he presents and identifies as a queer person on his yoga mat. Tucker also helps us to begin to unpack what the word yoga really means and how the practice of yoga is often misappropriated in our culture today. Tucker identifies as gender non-binary and uses he, she, and they pronouns interchangeably. And before we dive in, I have to tell you about a new project. Out Loud has been one of my all-time favorite projects. Over the years, I've learned just how much I love having these conversations, and I have been eager to have that conversation directly with you, the listeners. So today, I'm beginning to offer spiritual direction online to folks over Zoom. If you've found yourself stuck with your faith, especially as it relates to your sexuality, Together, we'll find what works for you. You can learn more on my new website, gregthompson.me. Just shoot me an email and we'll get connected for a complimentary first session. And as always, if you're interested in contributing to OutLoud through our Patreon page or one-time donation, just visit outloudstories.com and click donate. And now let's hear from Tucker Shelton. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Tucker. It's great to see you. Yeah, it's so good to be here with you. I really appreciate being invited. Yeah, of course. So what I like to ask folks kind of right out the gate is if you could just tell us a little bit about what is your or what was kind of like your experience with religion or spirituality growing up? My dad was pretty strongly atheist and just was like, you know, if I'm wrong, then I've led a good life and done good things. And, you know, then hopefully it'll work out. And my my mom, she was more like felt that we should be exposed to like church or religion just for the sake of like the culture of it like because it was something she had growing up so it was more it wasn't as much about like the words or the spirituality or the concepts as much as just like i think it's like you go to church on said it's like what you do so my parents tried to take it my my dad would never go to church (laughs) not even for like when we got baptized or anything but my my mom she she tried to bring us to church when we were young, and then my brother and I would just like start yelling or fighting each other in the pews. <laughs> and so, so she was like, "Well, it's over now." And then it was a good excuse because they were like, "Well, we're not super committed to this anyway." Was, Wait, which it, church were you were you all going to? Well, we we ended up going to an Episcopal church that was super sweet, cute little spot, and 
it, what's the word when it's like you're committing yourself like a for by confirmation yes <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> that that ceremony so all four siblings did that together at the same time oh, cool. so it was it was pretty cute <laughs> and it was kind of spearheaded by my sister who wanted to do it and then you know she and my other brother kind of pieced out <laughs> the brother who he and i are only 18 months apart we started acolyting at the church so mm. we became you know the folks who bear the crosses and the candles and the books and you know okay. swing the incense and things like that and serve the wine and wafers and it was just kind of more of like a social thing but i remember sitting and listening to the sermons and everything and kind of absorbing it and definitely distinctly remember the sermon that was like if you you know if your hand is keeping you from god cut it off if your eye is keeping you from god gouge it out or like what, I don't know the exact mm -hmm. words there, but that was kind of the gist of it. And I was sitting in the audience just thinking, I have to cut off my piece. There's like no other option. How well, old were you? I was probably 13 at that Okay. <laughs> and it was like, when I was, it just kind of came to a head and realized like, oh no, you know, there's this thing that is different and bad and wrong and not okay. So that was, that was kind of it. You know, we acolyted, it wasn't every Sunday. I think it was like every fourth or something like that. And then my we would always go for the new year not new year's the night for christmas service and but it was you know my dad would never go it would just be kind of whoever wanted to out of the family and then my brother graduated uh a year before i did and then i was like i'm done <laughs> so i was like because I, I just kind of would get bored and kind of hang out in the bag and it wasn't really my thing what, whereabouts did you grow up and why was it so important for like that culture? I'm not sure it entirely was. I grew up in Hendersonville, North Carolina, okay. so just outside Asheville. So, you know, small town, but like, you know, slightly more liberal than a lot of small towns in the folk art community. But the, my parents were all both from Virginia. And okay. I think that, you know, just kind of going back in time, family wise, there's a lot of, you know, commitment to, to religion and showing up and cookouts and all of those things. You know, yeah. The, the public face of, of religion and Christianity. What was, so what was like, what was going through your head during that, that sermon where it was like cut off, you know, cut off your hand, gouge your eye out. Like, were you, were you already kind of grappling with, with your sexuality at that time? And like, what was, what was going on? Yeah, I was 13 is when I started to realize like, Ooh, you know, there's something different about me. And the yeah the thing that was like the fun sparkly kid turned into this like uh oh people like hurt you and get mad about who you are thing yeah. and yeah just realizing i mean at that time i i was still i was like i'd never kissed anybody and all this stuff and i was like well whoever i kiss first that's what i'll be if i kiss a girl i'll be straight or if i kiss a bull i'll be gay and then uh, like magic <laughs> right right so that was my big plan didn't quite work out that way but at the time when i was feeling and thinking that is when I was sitting there in that sermon and just being like, you know, you're going to go to hell and this is, you know, this is how it works. And yeah, so bizarre to look back on that now, <laughs> but in such a different perspective and feeling about it all. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I've had one of my, my very best friend in high school, the kind of like the last that we've really engaged in any kind of significant way was a conversation of her saying that she didn't think that I was gay. I was just confused by the demo and it was a, you know, like, like found funda foundational, like what's it called? Born with sin, original sin kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
I was like, okay, well, I'm just not going <laughs> to stick around for more of this kind of a relationship. Yeah. So I think it drove me towards the like anti-Christianity and, you know, like going very much in the opposite direction and feeling like, how can I be as different from that as possible? Which really led me towards like my career and pursuits and had to be healed later on in life. So were you, were you already out in high school? Pretty, pretty much, no, or I don't think there was much hiding. Okay, <laughs> I think I thought I was. You know, there's only so much you know you can you can cover up. But I, I think plenty of people could tell that I was at least uncomfortable, or you know, there was something different. I I, I worked for a men's clothing store and tried like to dress nicely and had like a bag that I carried my books in that was over my shoulder, which was like a person. Oh, yeah. The messenger bag is, oh, uh, yeah. Yes. yeah. Mm. And like small town. And I was like, had my like cool. It. Anyway, I would, I would do, <laughs> I, I, I did like all these different outfits where I would do different things. Like I, I pinned a tie to my shirt, but like made it look like it was rippling in the wind and blowing off my shoulder. love it i dressed very nicely and and then it then i realized that people were making fun of me or you know like guys or say something i remember like a senior girl being like i love your fashion you look amazing i was like thank you and i didn't i just i was too naive i I wasn't like i was a late bloomer didn't go through puberty as soon as everybody else and i think that once that started to like really hit and change i was like oh no everybody's seeing this thing yeah and i i was very thoroughly committed to being not seen as gay because it felt Mm. safe yeah like i would be attacked or hurt yeah and that kind of stuff did happen but not like to any huge extreme but you know just like being shoved in against a locker not into a locker (laughs) yeah or being chased in a car like being chased down by other people yeah all those funny southern small town experiences but could have been a lot worse and i also just regret so much of it because i'm like if i had just been like fuck y'all <laughs> like here i am you know that would have been a very very different experience but yeah it was just the, the environment of the day and now yeah. i'm so excited to look at you know what's happening today and how kids can come out so early and have all this support or you know it's not perfect for anybody but it's definitely so different and that's really exciting to me. And even the school that I went to, they had no support system whatsoever and were actually actively like against any kind of events or anything that might in support gay rights or anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. We, my AP bio club tried to put together like an AIDS rally and they said it was too controversial. We had a book that we were reading for AP bio that was genome by Matt Ridley and we were allowed to read the book because it had like one section on the gay gene and like talking about research on genetics around homosexuality and so they they said we couldn't even like the teacher couldn't even buy the books and then cut the pages out because it would motivate us to go and look at it it was just like that kind of stuff it was a very conservative leadership at the school but now there's like a gay straight alliance or, you know, like, or yeah. you know, all these different things. And I'm like, that's times have changed. <laughs> so that's yeah. exciting. But did yeah. it take time for you to feel like you could be yourself? Like after you left that space or where, where did you feel like you could yeah. kind of express yourself again? 
I mean, college was like the big exciting thing because I was like, I got to get out of, you know, small town North Carolina. And so I got a good scholarship to American University in D.C. And so I didn't really pick a, a college based on what I was maybe what I would look for now. <laughs> but I was just yeah. like, oh, yay, I, I can get some discounted tuition. It's in a city. That'll be fun. And it was in some ways, it was awesome to just kind of walk on and be like, I'm going to be myself from day one and just say like, yep, I'm out. And like, I changed my status on Facebook back when you used to say, it's like, man, interested in men. <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. It was a big oh. deal a while ago. Yeah. Oh, oh, I remember I used like before I would go to got to college, I would search, you know, like American University, men interested in men and like find all the people who are there. And it's like, you know, Facebook stock and be like, oh my gosh, that could be my boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Learned a lot after all that. People don't look like their profiles either. <laughs> it was so yes, getting to college was was pretty exciting. And literally on move in day, I had like got all my stuff and I was like, bye mom and dad. And they're like, do you want us to hang out? They're like, I was like, get out of here. And I, I met a group of gay people at orientation and we all went out to the gay club for college night. It was like a Thursday. We could all get in and have our nice. hands. So, oh yeah, that was, that was the start. <laughs> that's so great. My, my big adventure. But I actually went, that's when I met my ex-husband that very late. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. He wrote his number on my arm. <laughs> oh. <That> was, yeah. <laughs> and did you all end up? dating throughout i guess all college or no actually we only dated for about a month or so because we were just like we were each other's first boyfriends so that was you know it's like we needed that experience and then we we're like oh actually we're not like really good should have remembered that later on but well, we, we ended up getting um, back together in when he was applying to grad school when i was mm. a different university at that time okay but, um, but yeah, fun to reconnect. And it was a really lovely relationship. Good person. But yes, life moves on and, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. What was your relationship like to the church or maybe more so toward yoga as you got settled in school? Yeah, I first took a yoga class in high school when I was a senior and I was super vegan, gluten-free, earth hero yes all of the the crunchy things and i i was like ready to go to dc and we protested and went to the vegan conferences and i called myself a vegangelical and we you know like it was like every everything was a little bit aggressive in some way and then you know i actually the the my ex-husband you know that month that we dated he told me he like he was he was a strong Christian at that time when we first met and he was at Georgetown University and he was just had that kind of background and personality and was very interested in the Jesuit culture and was doing research mm. on, you know, possession and things like that too. And, you know, like, cause that was a whole Georgetown thing where they filmed the, what's it called that the exorcism, <laughs> like well, they roll down the yes, stairs. With the steps. Yes. yes. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> but like one of those uh, priests was from, the university, you know, there was all this, these connections and everything. And so he, he just kind of viewed life through that lens. And I was just not really doing much with my body except for going for runs. And he was like, you don't treat your body as a temple. 
And that was like a concept that I was like, I, mm-hmm. I don't even know what to do with that. And so I was like, well, I guess I, I could start doing some things for, you know, taking care of it. So I looked up and there was a power yoga class at the gym on campus. And I was like, oh, I'll go take that. And so I signed up mm-hmm. and fell in love with it. And then that I would, I just was going all the time to those classes. And then that teacher and I became friends. And she and I would go from that class over to the hot yoga studio where they would play the harmonium and do chanting. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. Magic. And I was getting all these, you know, wild reactions in my body and all, you know, these, these, this exposure to something so exciting and brand new to me at the time. And then I would get a kombucha with her at Whole Foods and then I'd leave her and go to the Ashtanga studio and do the primary series. And I was just like, couldn't get enough. And I was also just not enjoying school. And so I decided to take a gap year. And so I, I went ahead and dropped out of, out of school, moved back home for the summer and then took my yoga teacher training. And it was just like this total, like full expansion, mind awakening, spirit awakening thing for me that I, I had no access to previously through, you know, I mean, the religion and everything that I was exposed to just was kind of boring, you know, like it didn't feel it wasn't embodied. And, you know, like this, the thing that yoga gave me, which was, you know, that like endorphin rush and the excitement and then the like community and the chanting and all of this. And so, yeah, it just really captured me in so many ways. And then I, I finished that training, moved to New Zealand for a year and was studying natural medicine. So at homeopathy and also was teaching and studying yoga there and started doing Ashtanga yoga, Mysore style, and really getting heavy into the, the Ashtanga practice and you know, the chanting and all of that was really exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. So then when I came back to go back to school again, I went to a different university, University of Virginia in Charlottesville. And that's when I ended up reconnecting with my ex and he actually came down to visit because he was applying to law school there. And he brought marijuana. <laughs> and it was, he, he was, he took my, like, I taught him yoga. I taught him some like breathing and chanting. It was just this like mind blowing thing for him. And then he gave me marijuana and I was like, what? <laughs> so it was two mind blowing things at right, one time. Right. <laughs> there was that. Well, it initiated a period of about four years of haze and spirituality mixed mm. together and just this like deep dive into all things new age uh, religion and crystals and incense and chanting and singing bowls and uh, sound healing and yoga, 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 meditation, but like pulling from all these you know, very like largely culturally appropriated sources that are all just like smashed together and made into this new thing. Yeah. Chakras, all of those. That's when I really got heavy into energy body work and Reiki and, you know, these, I, I'd studied practices and like shamanism and doing journeys into the lower realms, the upper realms, spiritual healing, removal of harmful intrusions, soul retrieval work. So those Those were super important to me and everything in my life became about ritual, ceremony, Mm -hmm. and the sacred. And everything was viewed through that lens where it's like how energy works in a space and how to manipulate or work with it within myself and within my environment. So that was, that was a whole 
change for my life for, for many yeah. years. And that's when my ex who was in law school was like, I can't do this anymore. You know, like I've got mm-hmm. to focus on yoga and spirituality and these other things. Plus I can't smoke weed if I'm in law school. And so yeah, he, he decided to drop out and then move. We moved to Boulder. We got married and we moved to Boulder, Colorado and both in, ended up enrolling at Naropa University, which is a Buddhist founded university that's oh. a contemplative education format. So it's lots of meditation in every class. You're working with uh, professors who've been practicing those religions for like 20 plus years. You actually go to temple or you do the practices, not just studying them from the armchair and talking about them but actually engaging and diving in. And yeah. that was that was totally mind-blowing and super special. That really opened up my eyes to the, the, the depths of everything that's out there rather than this kind of shallow, like, fun, you know, feel-good spirituality thing that I, yeah. I've been engaging in that was maybe slightly problematic now that we look back at it. And that, yeah, I really just I had a, a really incredible experience there but it was super transformative and that also involved the two of us transforming into new ways of, of being and not, not wanting to be together anymore. So yeah, we, we, we got a divorce and then I, I moved back home. I graduated from my program. I moved back home and then started uh, teaching back in this area. And so that was about six years ago now. Yeah. You, you- the words you used sounded so much like church in some ways of like ritual ceremony, yeah. tapping in with the sacred. Like, do you, I guess, how has yoga and like what, and all these different avenues that you've gone down or perhaps just in that period, like how did that feel like church for you in a way or, or maybe church realized maybe for the first time? Oof. Yeah. Well, I think the best way to answer that is to talk about an experience I had in grad school where after all these years of pursuing, you know, new age spirituality and studying all across the board with different religions, I was taking a class that required us to go back to the church we grew up in, like in terms of like, you know, just, I had to find an Episcopalian church out in Mm. Boulder. And I remember going to the service and just being like, washed in a totally different way than I ever was when I was a kid. And it was always right there. But like, there was this beauty of, you know, like I grew up with this and I know when we sit up, sit down and stand up and what the chants are. And there's this kind of like magic that comes with that and the swinging of the incense and the candles and the reading and the, the chanting that they do, like the like chant talk that they'll do. And you know, it's all designed to create that same tapping in that mm-hmm. I'm getting from other sources. And that was a huge healing thing for me to kind of go back and see that through totally fresh eyes. And yeah, I really just, I have an appreciation for it. I don't, you know, go to church, but I don't really have much of a spiritual practice these days. Anyhow. I mean, I feel like my life is like, we're, we're not separate from spirit. So this is like, I don't know. Uh. At this point, I'm not necessarily focusing on very specific spiritual practices as much as just acknowledging that life is part of one great web. Yeah. 
I, I had a spiritual director one time say, when you practice prayer enough, like you don't really realize you're praying anymore. Like it can kind of be something that's just so naturally a part of who you are, whatever the spiritual practice is, really, in my opinion, like you can kind of just, you just embody that. And it might not be something that you have to think as hard about after you've had that experience yeah. for enough time. I think that rituals and, you know, I love them. I still have rituals all the time, but the, I think that, you know, a lot of practices or mantras or spiritual activities in my experience are, you know, ways of, of building a, a new way of being. And so once you've kind of used the tool to get to where you need to be, you don't necessarily have to kind of like keep hauling that tool with you. Um, mm -hmm. But that's, there's the, like a teaching in Buddhism that talks about like, yeah, you, you, you take the boat across the river, but once you get across the river, you don't keep carrying the boat with you. You know, it's like you, you're, you can leave the boat there. It, it served its, its purpose. How do you find that yoga is like a place for your queerness now or throughout your, your kind of journey so far? Like, do you find that it's celebrated and, and welcomed? I do. And I don't, I think that I am a mama's boy at heart. I've very much been able to like find that sense of community with my ladies who I, you know, it's like, it's just. It's like having a thousand moms like <laughs> like teach yoga, the people who come to class and uh, the people that I connect with the most. Mm. And yeah, I, I, I guess part of the whole yoga thing was like, it's like punk rock, like it's like counterculture. It's, it's you, you know, like you can be whatever and, and you can really, you know, like it's, it's not necessarily a space that's traditionally in the West seen as open to like straight men. You know, mm. there's a lot mm -hmm. of, resistance there or like there's an a feminization of the perspective of yoga because it's got such an appeal largely to you know folks who identify as female and show up to those classes so i think that you know there was a sense of safety in that already it's largely you know like a very liberal space it's largely folks who are you know against their christian upbringing or you know like who are mm -hmm. doing something resistance to that or i think that there was there was so much of that energy in the spaces that i felt like yes i can show up i can have my tattoos i can be artistic and different and you know bring bring forth all these different parts of me that i don't feel comfortable having out all the time in the yeah. world you know i can remember seeing like a teacher who was like genderqueer and being like that's okay. You can do that. You know, like, like, yeah. I don't know, like they had like painted nails and long hair and, you know, like wore women's clothes. And I was like, what? I don't know how to feel right now. You know, it was like, I still was not able to like bring all of that forth that was in me in, yeah. in a lot of ways. And have you been able to find that you think? I think it's there if I wanted it, but I'm not sure I, I, I do anymore. I think I'd, I just like to show up and be like, Hey, this is who I am. And that's feels like enough rather than back 
in the day, you know, like I really felt like I needed to exaggerate everything. Yeah. Or hide it. <laughs> it's like, it was kind of one of those two options. Yeah. It's like the difference between, between being like the queer yoga instructor and the yoga instructor who happens to be queer. Yes. That very, that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I used to also be very like gender questioning and, and, you know, I was debating if I was trans and was going to gender groups and was dressing as a woman and, and, and presenting that way and doing drag all the time. And, you know, that, that felt really good when I was out in Boulder, you know, and then, and when I was in that relationship, and then as soon as I, you know, kind of got through that, I came back and I was like, I don't, I just didn't, I haven't done it since. I was like, I didn't need wow. it. It was kind of over. It, it, it's not like I'm saying that's anybody else's experience, but that was mine. And it just felt like I was like, I needed to exaggerate that side to meet the moment of where I was in my life. But yeah, I mean, it's a side topic. <laughs> I felt like I'm curious though. Do you, do you feel like that community kind of brought out that side of you and then moving back to North Carolina, it brought see. out a different part of you? I think for sure, because it was also about what I felt safe to do, you know, out there. It's like, nobody knew me really, you know, yeah. it's like, it was like a new place, new me kind of thing. And, you know, I, I could show up, it's like going to college and the first day being like, I'm here and I'm queer and, you know, I'm going to establish this new identity. And then coming back home, like, oh, well, this is the South and, you know, this is North Carolina and Hendersonville. And I know these people who are not great who live here. <laughs> might not appreciate you know the way that i've been so yeah i kind of like squandered some of that i'm not sure if that was the reason that it didn't come back around later you know or because now i just feel like i i don't need it anymore like back then it felt like i needed it and i'm a strong believer in this like balance of energies and you know something that's easy to describe as yin and yang or you know this kind of complementary energies but in that relationship and in that place where i was i needed to increase my yin and mm. kind of be this or this kind of like exaggerated version um of like the feminine experience that i had inside and then coming back i've actually gone into this weird like more masculine expression that just felt very bizarre to me at first, like I remember teaching yoga classes and people being like, assuming that I was straight, like ev everybody did. And I was like, this is so weird. Like nobody does that. Like, why would, why would they think this? And like, just like processing it with new friends that I was meeting while I was here and like, oh yeah, we thought you were. And I was like, how? It's so obvious that like right off the bat, like, is this just like Southern blindness to queer identity or something? I was not clear on it, but then you know, like I had started dating my partner who was just like, there is no denying when he walks in the room. <laughs> like, he's like, he's a great petite, flamboyant, very happy, energetic, <laughs> you know, like has a, a bit of an accent that we like, we call it his, his gay accent, his gay accent. You know, it's like, it's, there's it just like, everybody's like, oh yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're used to like certain stereotypes. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I was you know, I grew up facial hair for the first time in my entire life. And, you know, it was all these different oh, yeah. things that I think just came to a head. And it was this like, okay, now I'm balancing this different way. Yeah. And I, I just energetically and spiritually, I'd see this, like, there's always a balance of like those two energies. And right now, 
you know, I'm with someone who's expressing such a beautiful, you know, like version of like, I don't want to miss munch my words, but like a femininity embodied in a, in a masculine form. And then that's what I felt like I was doing back then. And then coming back, I just feel like, yeah, I, I feel more settled into just being like this version of myself. But I acknowledge that there's all the different parts within me. And so yeah. I, that's why I identify still as gender non-binary because I, I feel that there is, you know, Shiva and Shakti and there is yin and yang and there is, yeah. you know, like masculine and feminine. And I, I've seen that very firsthand where I'm like, oh yeah, I, 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 I've been there and I feel that and I still identify with that. And I am also here and see this whole other perspective. So I have no idea where my life is going to take me in the future, but right now, you know, it's like, this is, this is the current state. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds a lot like, I mean, that we, we've heard many different definitions of yoga and, and I learned that through the training at Ashville Yoga Center, but it, what you're describing to me sounds like yoga. It sounds like this unity of body and mind and this balance you're talking about. It sounds, yeah, it just sounds like that to me. I think that in yoga, it's like you go from one extreme to the other extreme and you're kind of like swinging a pendulum and then eventually you kind of find like, oh, that's the middle. <laughs> and I, I think that that was kind of what I was needing to come to is like, oh, I, I know that I can go either of these directions. And I also feel very good right here, <laughs> like centered in this spot for now. Yeah. How would you define your yoga practice now? Like what is, what's it, maybe what's your personal practice like, or just what is, yeah, what, what, what does yoga mean to you today? My personal practice right now is just yeah. wake up in the morning and I do onsana practice, but my, which is just physical postures, but those physical postures and the way that they're practiced and pieced together develops a meditative state. So it is about cultivating a mindset that then influences how you see the rest of your day and world and relationships. So for me, that's, that's kind of as far as it goes right now. And then the, the integrated ritual is still underneath of everything. And all the things I've studied and practiced in the past are like a part of me and they influence how I see the world around me so yeah i guess that's that's the current state of where i am but if you're asking me that whole other big question of what was yoga <laughs> i literally wrote like a 30 something page paper on that so uh, and that was me scratching the surface but it is i mean we could go the easy route and just say yoga is union you know that's what it it translates to and it has always been about transcendent transcendence of the ego and kind of moving beyond this i me my stuck sense of self and that is a many lives long journey yeah <laughs> so i think i'm just in a phase of it right now um, yeah that sense of feeling connected with other people and knowing that like your actions impact 
other people's actions from the biggest to the smallest things we do is that's something that comes up in yoga and comes up in other religious practices too. So it's, it's clearly important to all of us in some way that like our actions matter and and that we care for other people. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, there's so many commonalities between all the different cores of religious traditions. And that was my motivation going into religious studies was to be like, what's the thread of commonality between these different things? And, you know, yeah. if you really look at all the different scriptures and original texts, it's, it's all the same messages. You know, it's like, you know, love thy neighbor and, and be good to each other. And, you know, Muhammad's version of that was, you know, one tribe. You know, we're all one tribe. Mm. What these separate tribes were all part of one tribe and we have to take care of each other and take care of the destitute and the prostitute and the, you know, the, the outcasts. And, you know, it's so funny that it's like the same, the same thing happens every time where there's like a being has an awakened experience and sees things clearly. And then people are drawn to them and want to learn from them. And they start copying all the practices and things that they do. But then they turn it into like, it must be this way. And it was yes. only this thing. And, you know, after that person dies, then everybody starts to write it down. But sometimes not even for a hundred years after their death. And then it's like, no, they said this. No, they said that. Oh, but politically, if we said that they said this, then it could, you know, like, that's right. us. And there's, there's all these things that end up perpetuating out into, you know, like fast forward to get hundred hundreds of years and you've got these, you know, intense religious wars and different sects that have splintered and, and, you know, said, this is the right one. or this is the right one. You know, it's just this funny thing because at the heart of it, the message is like, love each other, <laughs> like be good to each other. Y'all, you know, like this is, this is about nonviolence and connection and, and love, not about separation and, and division and anger and aggression. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We're all just trying to get back to some kind of experience that's, that was meaningful then, or is maybe meaningful in a different way now. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to teach some classes, but, and so I'm starting to see that there's a difference between practicing yoga for yourself and really teaching it for other people. How has your experience been as a teacher? Like, what do you, what do you love about teaching yoga? And maybe what's been, what's been challenging about teaching yoga too, kind of stepping into that space. That has all evolved along with this journey because I've been teaching now for 14 years. Yeah. And the, I've, it's all gone in those waves of chakras and meditation and pranayama and excitement and spirituality and these wild things and wanting to share that with people. And that's been really exciting. But then now I'm in this new phase of like, looking at cultural appropriation and learning, you know, all these ways in which we've wronged the home source of these practices and totally gotten it wrong or like made it up or turned it into something new and self-serving and privileged. So yeah, I'm, I'm right now very much in that place where I feel a big struggle right now with internally, with, with knowing what to do now. <laughs> Because like, I love all of it and I still see so much beauty in all things that I got wrong or that I perceive as being like less educated back in the day. I still love all of those practices and still connect with them uh, emotionally, but I do no longer feel okay sharing them or teaching them. So 
Yeah, I think that I've always loved teaching because it's been about sharing something so fundamental <laughs> to like who we are that like as soon as people just stop and feel and check in and they're like it changes their lives you know yeah we're so apart from that these days and always have i mean like that's why it was invented thousands of years ago but it's that is super cool you know from day one i remember when i was teaching and people somebody would pull me aside and say like listen to me very clearly i was like okay like you have to do this with your life and you have to do this for the rest of your life like this is what you're here to do and i was like okay and so there's like and i've gotten that message all along the road since day one and so i still i know that this is something i'm here for but i know i'm involving right now and feel very confused <laughs> about what's next and what's yeah. what's you know, what's the path of least violence and, and greatest help to myself and to others? So yeah. it's, yeah, I, mean, I there is this struggle, this like dichotomy of like the excitement, the love of it, the, the joy of sharing it, but then also this like utter sadness of like having anything that I've done hurting or perpetuating an experience of suffering for others. So that's, that's something yeah. that's heavy in my head these days. Yeah. For, for folks who maybe haven't practiced yoga before, haven't, you know, dived into the, the, the spiritual roots of it, what's like an example of cultural appropriation and how yoga has been westernized? Here's another thesis subject. I know. The, I would say the, the biggest one that's popping into my head in this moment is the misconstruing of asana, a physical practice. Like yoga is a physical mm. practice. It's about flexibility. It's about strength. It's about these shapes. It's about doing this stuff with your body. It's about, you know, skinny, white, flexible girls who are young and pretty doing these bendy things. And that is standing out to me right now is like the biggest, you yeah. know, damaging message because truly yoga is for every single person. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's never been about like separating it, you know, yoga is about connecting back to our original nature and the, the things that are underneath of all the confusion that we have because we're living in these societies that are separate from nature. But there's, there's been a lot of, a lot of damage in yoga world that has gone unchecked for a long time around this physical practice and not acknowledging that there is so much more to it. There's, it's a whole rich religious tradition that's thousands of years old. There's generations and generations and generations within families that have passed these practices down who have been oppressed and marginalized and, you know, colonized for, mm. you know, over half a century and, or sorry, over half a millennia and have had, you know, just inconceivable effects from that, like the devastation of an economy and of a whole people. Um, and being taught that, you know, their ways are dirty or wrong or bad, but then it comes to the West and is suddenly like exciting and it's like cool new thing. And like, oh, you know, like we're going to go do our yoga and get our smoothie and feel good about ourselves and wear our malas, you know, and, and feel like we're cool and spiritual and it's very damaging. Have you, I mean, has it, has it called your own practice into question or, or how you teach? 
into question at all? Yes. I've I've definitely had to check a lot of things. I you know, one of the things I've realized through all of this, this is gonna sound maybe out of the blue, is that there's so much white supremacy in like wellness culture and this yeah. like privileging of like only this is only for white people or you know like these messages of like anti-science that come in with yoga that's like all about natural medicine and healing and all these things which i think are beautiful but also can definitely misguide folks and i definitely have been part of that you know, I've really you know, like written that line and pushed that agenda and been like, you know, I'm like against medicine and vaccination and, you know, like all of these other things for so long. And now started like, I still want to do things in a, a quote, more natural way. But even that more natural focus is this like thing based in a white supremacist lens, which is so weird to say out loud because, you know, it's like, I don't feel that that's who I am or what I do, but that's also yeah. like the, the soup in which I was, you know, cooked. <laughs> it's the water you're swimming in. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. I am now like starting to listen to myself when I speak and teach and be like, oh, you know, I've been saying that little fact or that little statistic or that little, you know, comment for 14 years because somebody said it to me one time, hmm. you know, but like, Where's that coming from? You know, like, where's that based in? And I mean, I was teaching all this stuff on the chakras and doing retreats and, you know, immersions and trainings on them. And then, like, I really stepped into this training on chakras to get to know more and had it all ripped apart. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. This is all Western. You know, like, yeah, it is we've just completely butchered it and put it like Frankenstein it into something different in combination with like archangels and essential oils and crystals and you know, like psychological states from Jung and you know, like, it's just, it's, it's amazing because that meant so much to me for so long. So I, yeah. I watch myself with these like resistances and these attachments and be like, Oh, but I like that stuff. And, and I don't want to ruin it for other people, <laughs> but at the same time, now I'm just like, well, now that the veil's pulled back, I can't just be like going to keep on teaching that and sharing that, you know, yeah. the, the way I present it has to change and evolve. Um, and same with like hands-on assists and stuff like that, you know, like yeah, it, a lot of stuff has changed culturally. And I do feel like, oh man, we're losing something that was really special that you just like, you couldn't get any other way. But I also feel like what's the least violet <laughs> you know like what's going to reduce mm-hmm. add stuff so let's go along that that line but man i've seen a lot of stuff change since i started <laughs> yeah it's so fascinating to to kind of again kind of make a comparison to like organized religion and like with my background being in the catholic church like that is a ship that doesn't turn very often. It just kind of keeps moving forward yeah. in time and space. And yoga is something that is, you know, I always, this Western form has been kind of adapting. It's more an oral tradition, almost of things being passed on, at least in some, you know, it sounds kind of like what you were describing in a way. And so it, it can be hard not to have like a text to go back to or just a clear validated source every single time but at the same time too like this is 
a ship that can turn, that can be corrected. The course can be corrected. And that's also a beautiful thing too, that it is something that can be fluid in a good way as well, I think. I mean, that I love that you said that because, you know, it just reminds me that yoga has always changed. (laughs) There's no time when it has been stuck, you know, because it has always met the culture, the time, in the space that it's in, you mm. know, it's, it's, it's so fascinating to see that when you look at the history of it and be like, oh yeah, like yoga was just about meditation. Like it was just about sitting and meditating <laughs> like yeah, as an oversimplification, but really that's what the word yoga was referring to was a seated meditation practice for thousands yeah. of years. It's not until much closer to the modern era when it starts to be this like emphasis on the physical practice. And a lot of that is under the colonizer's influence, you mm. know, and, and yoga was out in public and, you know, something that was shared. This is a recent training I did with some, um, some Indian teachers and I want to like give them credit. I can't remember exactly their names. Anusha and her last name starts with a W and Shyam Raghunathan. And they, you know, are frontiers in, in talking about these things that, 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 you know, like I, I've been reflecting on in this conversation, but, you know, saying that like, the influence of the colonizer can be seen in like these texts that start to show up about, you know, 600 years ago and talking about yoga, where it's like yoga is no longer about something you do out in the public sphere. And that's just about your devotionalism. And, you know, it's, it's actually something that's like, you have to like the Hatha Yoga Pradipika literally says like, oh, you need to be in a room that's like this. And, you know, away Mm -hmm. from people and in a country that has peaceful government and, you know, like eating these foods and like doing these practices, like everything under, under a guru's study. So like focus on lineage, which is a Western concept. So, you know, there wasn't that same, you know, what we perceive of as yoga today is like so grossly different than what it was originally, but in the same time. It always evolves and meets the moment. And right now it's mm-hmm. like, hey, cool. What is it? Like, we're getting into something, y'all. You know, like this is, it's going to be something totally different on the other side of this. And that makes me very excited. And anytime there's a big shift like that, there's, you know, it's going to shake things to the surface and people who like the, the old guard has to die. <laughs> like, yeah. So definitely. It's definitely, definitely happening out there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Is that shaping your work at all right now? Or is there anything that you're kind of looking forward to that's on the horizon with, with what you're doing right now? I think I'm just still in a place of such like open questioning and not sure where I'm headed that I, I can't really like speak to any of that with confidence other than to say that like it is infusing my being right now. And, yeah. and therefore I know it's going to come out in different kinds of ways, but you know, one of one of focusing on right now is is really just establishing the ability to function with all of this new exposure to information and and you know how to grok with that as I'm still doing what I what I'd love to do and then I am you know it comes into conversation all the time now and it's like something I can't stop talking about with people and I think that that is indicating you know like I'm going to be doing more of this so that feels good but yeah. there is no concrete plan at this yeah. point in time yeah what 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 else is is on the horizon for you right now just oh, programs or anything people should know about yeah yeah I, I mean i really want to create these like 
programs that are more comprehensive and that are sharing more of like the true mm. like yoga, the full spectrum of it, not just the asana or just the philosophy in a teacher training. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the way I've been doing it is so compartmentalized and I want to you know, have something that's more blended together and accessible cool. for folks. So having more space to create those kinds of projects will be very fun. So you'll be seeing more things coming out soon on tuckeryoga.co. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. Is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap up? I would share, I don't know what I don't know. So if I said something idiotic, please let me know. <laughs> and it does, I am very uh, open to learning. <laughs> I should probably start sharing that disclaimer with every episode for myself too. <laughs> yes, it's a good place to be. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, yeah, I so appreciate it. It's been really fun to get to chat with you and catch up. So thank you for this. If you'd like to learn more about Tucker Shelton, you can find him online at tuckeryoga.com and on Instagram at tucker underscore yoga. We talked a lot about yoga in this episode. So if you find yourself asking questions about yoga, I've included a few resources in the show notes that you can check out. Make sure you stay in the loop with the show by hitting subscribe or follow wherever you're listening and leave us a rating or a review. You'll get the latest episodes of Out Loud right when they drop and you'll help others find our show too. And you can find us on social media at Out Loud Stories and you can find me at It's Greg Thompson. And be sure to sign up for my newsletter where you'll get the latest episodes about my work, the podcast, and any special announcements that drop there before anywhere else. You'll find all those links I mentioned in the show notes. I'm your host, Greg Thompson. Our theme music is by J.P. Ruggieri and we record in Richmond, Virginia. Until next time, remember friends, queer people have faith lives too. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Thanks for listening.